Thank you for listening to this Podcast One production. Now available on Apple Podcasts, Podcast One, Spotify, and anywhere else you get your podcasts. I'm Jerry Callahan from the Jerry Callahan Podcast, and I'm taking the Ravens to knock off the Titans. Bet Online has free odds and lines available online or on your mobile device. Visit betonline.net today. guys happy friday and thank you for joining another special episode of your welcome so pay-per-view reports for tyson roy jones came in uh over a million to put in perspective for you guys how massive that number is in the world of pay-per-view i mean pay-per-view as we know it largely doesn't exist it's all done through digital platforms we still call it pay-per-view but it's it's not the definition has greatly changed to the point that I would say pay-per-view is just gone. It just doesn't exist. Well, you could buy Mike and Roy, old school. Sit on your television, push the button. It's exactly what I did. I only bring that to you because even in the time when pay-per-view was red hot and that was a thing, if you break a million, you are a you are a star. That is a grand slam. That is an extremely rare number. In the world of MMA, it's been done. It's been done a number of times. But over 20 years, it hadn't been done 20 times. It's one of those things. It's a massive, massive success. So when you start to look at Mike Tyson, now you're starting to get people that are more and more interested. And you do have a question. I mean, there was a formula there. We're giving Mike all the credit. We're acting as though Roy wasn't there. By the way, Jake Paul is a proven success. He is a proven draw. He even did uh, live gates and sold them out completely. For seven-figure numbers. I mean, in all fairness, you do have to start to wonder what piece here, what piece on the board was the king? And though, yeah, okay, it was Mike. Okay, but by how much? I mean, right, if you're if you're going to try to duplicate this formula in the future, there was some moving parts that weren't just Mike. Fine. Hold that thought. Here's what I want to ask you. I think we can all agree this is going to be a thing. We are going to see more Mike, and we are definitely going to see Mike sooner rather than later in 2021. Okay, but who do you want to see him against more? And I'm going to give you two options. Evander Holyfield, Buster Douglas. Buster has now come come out of the woodwork and called out Mike Tyson. And while we all think that it's pointing towards the Evander piece, You now have an option that not only do you get to choose, you have to understand Mike now gets to choose. Mike also gets to be part of that. He fought Evander a couple times. Maybe they made up over the years. Maybe they didn't. Maybe he's scared of Evander and all. Who knows? And maybe he would like to get that one back from Buster. Maybe he doesn't give a damn about it. I don't know the answer to this either, but as we're speculating, we're, we're attempting to guess, there are really two pieces that matter here. Your opinion... Your opinion that I just gave you, and I imagine more will come out of the woodwork, but as press time, as they say, when I sat down in this chair right now, we've got two. Yesterday, if I would have talked to you, we had one, which was Evander, and appeared to be the very obvious choice that Mike was even speaking about. Go, yeah, I get it. It's obvious too. Let's get this thing done. Evander's people keep screwing this up. Evander comes on the back end and says, we haven't screwed anything up. We're willing to sign right now. Where the truth is on that, I think it's probably a little bit closer to Tyson. I imagine Evander and his people have screwed it up. Evander's been around for 30 years. Evander's people have done nothing but screw up his career. I don't see why we would have any reason to believe they're not going to screw this one up as well. But that should be a pretty simple yes. I mean, if you guys will remember an Evander Holyfield, if you want to talk about the greatest boxers of all time, feel free to have a very fun debate, but you've got to include Evander. That dude's career, including the amateurs and the Olympic Games, that dude's career is fascinatingly successful. And 
he never wanted to leave. That's the part I'm trying to remind you of. He never wanted to leave. And it even became an issue where I can remember the Teddy Atlases of the world, the Max Kellermans, the George Foremans, coming out and speaking. I remember Riddick Bowe doing a piece, coming out and speaking. I remember Larry Holmes doing a piece. The biggest names in boxing, the most respected guys, saying, look, the commission's going to have to step in and not license this man. Or you're going to have to say, to hell with it, and if he, if he wants to go out there and not have any brain cells left, let him. This was a dialogue. And some of it had to do with the fact that he was slowing down, his results were changing, he still had the same passion, he still wanted to do it, which I thought was a really cool thing, but you were also starting to hear it with some of his speech pattern. Where it was getting a little bit harder to understand Evander, and people were, were equating that to some of the blows he took. I'm only sharing with you where Evander left off, because Evander never wanted to stop. I think that that's relevant if he's attempting to negotiate with Mike. If Mike's version of this accounts is that Evander's people are slowing this up and screwing it up and not getting it done, if you juxtapose that with the fact that you've got an athlete who never wanted to stop but had to stop, he quit getting options, right? He's not just worth a piece of what they believe that business can can bring in. He's also worth whatever he can get somewhere else, which is nothing. Nobody's coming to Evander Holyfield and offering him less than a million dollars. Just to let you know, if Evander gets a call from a promoter to fight Mike Tyson, they're starting at a million. They might be starting at three. I'm just sharing with you. When I say he can get nothing somewhere else and therefore that's what he... Now, I don't mean it like a scumbag. I mean he's going to get a very meaningful offer. And this is a guy who hasn't fought in a long time. And this is a guy who wants to fight. And this guy has had very public uh, debt and bankruptcy and financial issues. I bring that for you because... If Mike's right and Evander's people are screwing this up, trying to cling and squeeze to something as though they've got the right end. They don't have the right end of this. They will be chosen. The right end of this is Mike. The only end of this is Mike. You, re- you remove Mike Tyson from the equation. We're not having this conversation. I'm not making a piece. I'm not interested. And you guys aren't listening to it. In all fairness, you have one king on the chessboard. So if Evander is fortunate enough to get this phone call, his people need to not screw this up, as they've done for the potentially criminal extent for his entire career, if it's the same people. In all fairness, they need to get this done. And now when you have Buster Douglas sliding in on a nine out of absolutely no... Buster Douglas, what? What are you talking about? At the same time, you stop what you're doing. Really? Really? And... Yes, you see a desperation. It would have been much better in a perfect scenario had Mike called out Buster. For Buster to have the biggest upset in boxing history over Mike and then to call Mike out oozes of cash grab. Now, we understand that. This is one of the few times in sport where we understand what this is about. It's about our money pulling and pitching in in exchange for their efforts. And we're okay with it. It's the one time where that isn't nauseating, but it's also one of the things that if Buster could have done this better, he would have got called out by Mike. Hey, by the way, if we're doing redemption stories, I'll give P- I'll give Peter uh, McNeely a rematch so he can have his redemption, but I want mine too, Buster. That would have been the ideal way for Buster to slide in, but either way, here Buster is, and that does change things for Evander. If Evander's people are attempting to hold out on the only offer that their athlete has been given in a meaningful... The last time Evander Holyfield was in a ring, he was doing some kind of a session with Mitt Romney. And yes, that Mitt Romney. Yes. So he's looking for something to do. And if he's getting a seven-figure offer, say, hey, great, what are we doing with points on the back end? Let's go out and promote this sign and get in the ring. But you see the problem. If they held... And I'm, I'm adding a lot to this, guys. I don't know what his people did or if they even did anything. I'm going purely off of a comment that Mike Tyson made that Evander's people are holding this up. If and only if that is accurate, I'm sharing with you why they are. They think that they're holding the thing that Mike needs for a comeback. They might have thought, they might even been right for 10 minutes and then all of a sudden Buster slides in. Guys, this is one day later. Somebody else is going to come in. And you don't know who it's going to be and it's going to be interesting. A Bernard Hopkins type. Somebody's going to come in. Lennox Lewis. Somebody's going to come in. 
which changes the things for Evander, get the contract signed and get this done. And it also makes you wonder if this is going to become a thing, and it is, at least for a short term. And I think that's good news. In all fairness, I had a lot of fun with it. I think you guys did too. Where's the commission going to sit on that? The only person that hasn't been asked his opinion after the fact is Andy Foster, and that's a damn big opinion. Now, the fact that you haven't heard from Andy, I think in this situation, it's it's that old adage, no news is good news. I think that Director Foster must have liked it, must have thought this is above board, this is what we agreed to, the rounds seemed to work out, everybody went home in one piece, and that's the ultimate thing that I want. I think he must have liked that, but if this is going to be something, and you do have commissioning issues in the past with Evander, it would just add to the fact that if there's any truth to what Mike Tyson's saying, that Evander's people are holding this up, they are not holding from a position of power anything that anybody needs. They just did a million buys on a show that Evander wasn't part of. Every piece of the equation and every piece of evidence that we has shows, Evander, you're getting a gift. The guy bit your ear off. He feels like a jerk about it. He knows your situation. He was in it, and he's giving you a hand up. Evander, take it. You're listening to You're Welcome with Chael Sonnen. I want to thank one of my new sponsors for supporting this show, and I know a lot of my listeners, especially the hard-headed ones, are going to love them. Do you love peanut butter? Do you love whiskey? Then you're going to love Ram's Point Peanut Butter Whiskey. Ram's Point locks horns with smooth peanut butter flavor to create an intense spirit worth fighting for. Enjoy it as a straight shot. Put it on the rocks or as an amazing cocktail. Ram's Point Whiskey is a fun addition to any party or that special night with someone special. They also have recipes that will blow your mind. Let's start with the Ram's Point PB&J shot Imagine you're at a party. The host says, who wants a shot of PB&J? Of course you're going to be in. One part Ram's Point, one part grape liqueur, and you've just created an incredible new version of an old favorite. And you can add other flavored liquors like strawberry, cherry, or wild berry to create your own version. And this one is genius. Imagine putting your favorite peanut butter around the rim of a glass. Add a shot of Ram's Point peanut butter whiskey and you've just created magic. Make sure to embrace hard-headed spirit this holiday season with Ram's Point peanut butter whiskey. Whether it's getting together with a group of friends, safely of course, or that someone special, or if you're just looking to relax, Ram's Point Peanut Butter Whiskey is the way to go. And for the truly hard-headed, check out Ram's Peanut Butter Whiskey on Twitter and always hashtag appropriately, Ram's Point Whiskey. Hashtag Point Peanut Butter Whiskey. Hashtag Point Made. Go check it out now. Now back to your welcome with Chael Sonnen and talks to, with Connor to fight Connor. And I got to I don't know Jake Paul. I don't know him any better than you guys do, but I don't know Jake Paul to be a liar. It seems as though every time Jake Paul says something, it, it seems too good to be true, but I haven't seen it be that yet. And by the way, what does that mean? I'm in talks to do it. He's got Coach Kavanaugh's number. He's got Roddy's number. He's got Connor's number. You, you send a text message. I mean, in all fairness, it's a pretty easy uh, claim to fulfill. And I don't know where that's going to go. I mean, Connor is locked up with the UFC. Connor's not boxing or fighting anybody unless Dana wants him to go and, and box and fight them. And I, I tend to be a little light on that. I, I don't know where that's at. I know that Scott Coker got contacted for sure, because I know who contacted him, about Paul versus Dylan Danis. And not, hey, will you release Dylan to come do it? Hey, Scott, do you want to co-promote this? And Scott loves promoting striking events. So I don't know I don't know where that get and I don't know what Coker's response was. I'm just sharing for you when Jake Paul is coming out and making these claims, one of them I can verify. I can verify he's pursuing the Dylan Danis all the way up to Coker. So if he makes a claim that he's in talks with Connor, I'm sure he is. And I don't know where this Floyd thing is at. Cause that seems like one they could get done today. I mean, that's right up Floyd's alley. 
you know, Floyd takes everything personal. You and I might be dismissing this. Oh, my God, Floyd Mayweather. Crush this guy. Yeah, maybe, but that's not the way Floyd's mind works. Floyd's a dirty, rotten fist fighter. And if somebody challenges him, you're going to be fighting. He's an animal. And if you insult him the right way, you're going to be fighting him. And I only offer that because the basketball player, Robertson, am I right? Is that who Paul just fought? Floyd was calling that guy. Floyd was breaking down Paul and calling this basketball player and like giving him advice over the phone. He wanted to go out and beat Paul up because of the things that Paul's been saying about him. That Floyd's competitive guy. Don't forget that. You could talk about money Mayweather and all these things. He's a competitor, and he deserves that credit. He deserves that acknowledgement, and this is right up his alley. They've got a big problem, which is somebody has to sanction that fight. And Paul's huge. Joe Rogan was talking about this. And Joe Rogan said, I'd watch that fight. It'd be silly, and there's no commitment. I'll never get to see that fight, though, because no commission would sanction that. You would assume that Joe is right, and not just because of the size discrepancy. right? And I know what you're thinking. You're, th- you're thinking, chill, who ki- Floyd will kill him. Yeah, yeah, I-, I got it. What I'm saying is there's still rules within the commission. And Paul, just by MMA standards, would be three weight classes above Floyd. By boxing standards, where they're separated by three and a half pounds, he's like eight weight classes above Floyd. And there's rules. I don't know what it is, but there is rules. Now, I'll just tell you, amateur wrestling, I'm out here in the state of Oregon. Amateur wrestling, we do it, we can test it by dual meet. School against school, we do it by dual meet. But our governing body, the OSAA, you cannot go up more than two weights. So whatever weight you are, you can skip this one, but you you can't go above the following one. Uh, There's uh, uh, New York right now in the world of MMA, and this this was contested. PFL ended up losing a fight over it. New York right now, and they're not the only state, they're just the one off the top of my head, has a rule with weight, a heavyweight, that you can't be separated by more than 40 pounds. So the PFL weighed in a heavyweight who weighed 206 pounds. Makes him a he- anything above 205 and under 265 is a heavyweight. So he weighs in at 206, but his opponent weighed in at like 248. And New York goes, no, you can only have 40 pounds of separation. And PFL's go, they're in the same weight class. Heavyweight, the weight, your weight class. What do you mean? They go, they're both heavyweights, but there's more than 40. There's 42 pounds. We're not doing the fight. And they didn't. I'm bringing that to you to make the point that you are going to have issues there. Issues that I don't know off the top of my head, but there's going to be some issues. That's before I got to the real issue, which is the record discrepancy. And Nevada got around it to do Connor versus Floyd. But you're not going to see corruption anywhere like you will see in Nevada. Other states just aren't going to do that. You're not going to have a commission hanging its hat on fighter safety and nothing more important than that. And then sanction a 50-0 against an 0-0 except for Nevada. So I bring that to you in that Joe Rogan is right. You're going to have problems getting a commission to do it. Now these guys can figure it out. These guys can pack up shop. Go back over to England. Paul's done it before. I'm just sharing with you. There's some moving parts there. There's some moving parts to getting those guys together. So where does Paul go? Paul seems to have three ideas. Floyd, which I think he could get done. That's the one I think he could get done this week. Connor, which I don't think he could get done. Now you got to go. This isn't just Connor going, yeah, I'll do it. Tell me where to meet you. It's not. He's under, it's just a different thing. And I don't think that he could get that done. I don't think that's the route that Dana is looking to go in 2021 with Connor. Then you have Dylan, who I believe would do. I just talked to Dylan Dennis and I didn't ask, I mean, Dylan kind of told me, you know, this guy is calling me out. I don't mind. I don't like him. He doesn't like me, but the, come on. I take care of this guy, no problem. Dylan kind of dismisses. Let this guy get a little bit of experience first. I'm just going to go tool a guy up just because it's a paycheck. But then they went around Dylan, went all the way to Coker. So, I mean, I'm just offering for you that Paul is legit. Paul is legit. That pisses you guys off, but he is. And you can talk about how he is here with the experience. I'm talking about here. I'm talking about in here. This guy is a fighter. This is what he's going to go and do. And he's not just saying these guys' names for attention. He's looking to get a deal done, and he's looking to get in the the ring and fight. Paul, somewhere along the way, has got in the crosshairs of Ben Askren. Ben Askren, somewhere along the way, has accepted while being retired and not going to do anything competitive ever again. Like, somewhere along the way, even hurt and not feeling well, 
I mean, I, I talk about you're going to have to fight Floyd. Floyd is an animal. You put him in a court. Ben's been insulted as well. Ben is now insulted by Jake Paul. So we'll see, we'll see where all that goes. But I think that there's some good options. I think that we've probably identified the likely suspects. I don't think you're going to see the rapper, the basketball player, the NBA guy, a different name. I don't think you're going to see a different name unless something collapses within the discussions of the names that I just laid out. I think something big is coming Paul's way. And you can continue to hate on him. Or you can see what I see, which is a guy with a dream who's trying. He's working hard and he's willing to do what it takes to see it come true. For me, guys, that's a story that I don't hate. Korean Zombie called out Zabit. And... I love it for a couple of reasons. And Zombie, to strengthen his point, attempted to sell the fight. This is one that's going to bring the fans to their feet, and we both go for it. Zombie, zip it. Sold. I'm in. We're, we're all in. And I think that the reason that the zombie felt that he needed to add and clarify and sell this to the masses and then the promotion is because he's coming off a loss, a very one-sided loss to Brian Ortega, but he was coming off of two victories before that. Now, here's the reason I say I love it, not just because I like to see that match. I like that Zombie is being proactive after a defeat. Guys, if you get beat and you let the rankings and the writers decide what you do next, you're not going to like how that turns out. Sean Shelby, by example, Mick Maynard, by example, the matchmakers that are going to make that decision will generally, in a broad stroke, go off of a very basic formula, which is a winner is going to fight a different winner in their last contest, and a guy who lost his last contest is going to fight a guy who lost in his last contest. If you're the guy that lost and then therefore think you don't have the right to speak up on your own behalf, that you have somehow lost that right to talk trash or call out you're wrong and you're making a big mistake. You're making a big mistake. There is no law that Sean Shelby and Mick Maynard have to give you a loss. They're doing it. It's kind of the way it is. Okay, you lost, but this guy lost too. Oh, you won, but this guy won too. Stack the deck. Stack the deck the way you want. Don't let any rule that you don't like fit your career. If you don't like the rule or the policy, go around it. And that's what Zombie's doing. Zombie came off a loss. Well, what do you do? You're going to go fight another guy that came off a loss. Now you're back to square, and then you go back into the winner's column. He's still ranked number five in the world. He's still got some great wins. So what? He had he had one that didn't go his way. Welcome to sport. And now he's going after Zabit. I think, I, I think that he could get that fight for multiple reasons, primarily of which nobody wants to fight Zabit. There's a lot going on here. There was a lot of smart plays by the zombie. I don't think he meant for them to be smart. I don't think that he was thinking this uh, as a chess player that was getting ahead. I think that it was unintentional and accidental. Either way, in this business, don't ever start swinging, don't ever stop swinging, and don't ever stop talking. You're listening to You're Welcome with Chael Sonnen. If you've ever done boxing, kickboxing, or thought about learning how, but you're just too busy, or you can't access a good boxing gym, you definitely need to check out Fight Camp. They provide everything. To start boxing from home, that means amazing at-home boxing equipment, along with new boxing and bodyweight workouts released every week. It's the perfect at-home workout for anyone, for men, women, even families. Great for all fitness levels. You'll love it. And with Fight Camp, punch tracking technology, you can see your progress, work on your technique, and compete with others, or more importantly, your past self. Fight Camp brings the boxing and kickboxing gym to you with fight-hardened trainers that combine cardio and conditioning in a full-body workout. It comes with all the gear you need. Fight Camp comes with the best freestanding punching bag available, great quality boxing gloves, quick hand wraps, and their unique punch tracking sensors that show you real-time progress and stats on an iOS device. And then, once you have all the gear, you can choose from one of six trainers with real fight experience to lead you through a 15 30 or 45 minute workout structured like a boxing match. Three minutes of work, one minute of rest. The Fight Camp app 
comes with over 600 workouts and tutorials for beginners, intermediate and advanced boxers and kickboxers, and they are releasing 12 new workouts every week. Fight Camp is the perfect gift the entire family can enjoy and get competitive on. Fight Camp offers flexible financing for as low as 0% APR and $0 down. And right now, as a limited time holiday offer, get free shipping and a gift valued up to $109 with every Fight Camp package. Go to joinfightcamp.com slash welcome. That's right. Get free shipping and a gift valued up to $109 with your purchase. Bring an authentic boxing and kickboxing gym into your home with Fight Camp. To get your free gift, just go to joinfightcamp.com slash welcome. Joinfightcamp.com slash welcome. Now back to your welcome with Chael Sonnen. All right, guys, let me back you up to a week ago. I was talking with James Lynch, and he asked me about Michael Chandler. And a week ago, we got armed with information that Chandler, and this was from Dana White at a press conference, is not going to fight until next year, right, which is 30 days away. But he's not going to fight until somewhere in in next year for the reason being that he had a training camp for his fill-in position, his potential fill-in position of Khabib versus Gaethje. And because of the training camp, needs some rest. And that was off-putting to me. I was annoyed by that, which is what I said. I said, I've heard of guys not doing fights because they didn't get a training camp. You're telling me this guy can't do a fight because he had a training camp. That's annoying to me. And I heard from somebody on this topic that would know a little bit about it. His name is Michael Chandler. So Chandler calls me up and we're visiting. And I said, Michael, let me, one question. Can I tell people about this call? What you're going to say to me now, can I Go and tell people that this call happened and what you said. He said, absolutely. And he said, chill, you're missing one thing. This wasn't that I had a training camp and needed rest. He goes, what you're missing is I have been in training camp since March of 2020. I had my fights and then I went into Benson Henderson fight. And then I, I, I have this contract thing. And as soon as I get picked up by the UFC, all of a sudden I'm, I'm going to be the fill-in fighter in a different continent in the middle of a pandemic with different, I'm doing everything, but I have gone straight through. I have a wife, I have a son. And don't forget, I live in Tennessee. I train in Florida. I got to get home. It's the holidays. I was more than willing to do what was asked of me. I flew out to do what was asked of me. It ended up not working out. I was a backup. I ended up not getting it. I'm going home. And you can like that or not like that. But don't think that I'm ducking somebody. I haven't been offered anybody. I was offered one thing. I was a backup position. I went and did it. But I've been in training. You know, don't forget, he was with Bellator. He was with Bellator. He goes to the UFC. It was seamless. It was this quick transition. He gets put right into this spot. Doesn't know if he's going to fight Ferguson. Doesn't know if he's going to fight Gaethje. I mean, in all fairness to him, he, he is right. I did look at that wrong. I did not look at that. I don't think you guys did either, which is why I'm bringing it to you. I did not look at that. I forgot that he'd been training since March. That's that's relevant. It's very relevant, particularly when you're on the road. Particularly when, again, Nashville drives to Florida. And when he does it, loads up the car, heads on out there. He's going, man, it's the holidays and I'm going home. I don't know. If, I, I don't know an apology to anybody. But I would like to set the record straight that I was not offered something and turned it down. I had a potential fight. I flew out to that potential fight. I've now come home. The same, I told my wife and son, this is what I'm going to do. I do have a little bit of a life outside of fighting. He just wanted to set that straight. But it does change things completely. It really does. It really does change things when you do follow the timeline that, no, he didn't have a six- to eight-week camp for Khabib slash Gaethje, a match that never happened. He was training in the middle of a pandemic since March. So he had the fight with Benson Henderson, and they went right into this fight. I just wanted to clear that up. He called and cleared it with me. I thought it was a fair point by him. I thought it was a very fair point. I think it is a detail that was overlooked by me, which means it was likely overlooked by you. Now we're all on the same page. Connor Poirier part one was six years ago. And, you know, as we're just over a month away from watching these guys fight a second time, you are left with, with one question and, and one only as a talking point going into that fight. What's going to be different this time? 
What has changed in six years? And trying to answer that is so simple as it pertains to Poirier. Poirier's answers are very obvious. They're right in front of your face. He's been very active. Both athletes, now they're going to compete at 155 pounds instead of 145 pounds, which is a meaningful detail that I don't hear anybody talking about. Set that aside for now and just take a look at Poirier, who has been active, busy, and in front of our faces. Many things have changed physically. His pure boxing, as an example, is so significantly different than it used to be, not to mention his ability to extend a fight. His ability to to pace himself and push in a 15-minute atmosphere or a 25-minute atmosphere, largely because of the experiences that he got and experiences that he had from six years ago, is very identifiable. Connors are much harder to see. For one, we don't see him as much. He has not been nearly as active as Poirier. So just that on its face, it's just harder to identify. But everybody has a prime. And you never know when it is. You can do a guy's prime in a very broad stroke and say it was 18 to 25 years old. Or in this sport that's a little bit later, once a guy hits 30, he's past his prime. By example, you could pick those numbers You're not going to be right. You're not going to know. It's going to be unique to a specific individual. And it's only something you're going to be able to see in hindsight. I say that for you because it appears that Connor's prime is still in front of him. And there's things that will happen that are absent of Connor's control to help affect what his prime is. You naturally, as you mature as a human being, get a strength that you didn't have to go earn. You don't have to go in the weight room or or eat extra protein or follow a diet. You just have to get a little bit older, right? Everybody goes through that. We call it puberty, but you see it again. Some guys will even refer to it as old man strength or as dad strength because it's one of these things that just happens in life naturally. I bring that for you and to you because Conor McGregor, I'm not convinced, is to or through his prime. So just naturally by staying alive, if you will, His DNA and good timing are still going to catch him and he's going to get rewards. I feel that we saw that the night he fought Cowboy. You had everything mathematically and statistically in front of you wrong for a good performance that night. You had a guy who hadn't been in the ring. It was like 500 days. It was something incredible where you didn't even realize Conor had been gone that long. You have very meaningful built-in lifestyle changes due to money. Things that he can do and wants to do with his time that don't force him into the gym if he elected to not go. You had Connor tipping the scale at the highest he had ever weighed in his competitive life, which is a terrible, terrible sign. You have all of these things that you can point to that are quantifiable and identifiable, and you have a performance that blew you away. He threw 20 strikes that night. He landed 19 of them. The one that they say didn't land did land. It landed on the shoulder, and somehow that doesn't count for whatever whatever guy is doing the CompuBox type stuff. So in all fairness, he, he moved a hand, a knee, an elbow, or a foot in a forward direction towards a target 20 times and touched that target all 20. That is stunning. The one strike that Connor took, he took on his shoulder, therefore not counting for Cowboys. So the official result also says that he took zero strikes. So he has a nearly perfect offense. He has a fully perfect defense. I mean, this is this is shocking. Shocking stuff. And I bring that to you because it would appear that for reasons outside of anybody's control, including Connors, that he just was naturally getting better. I'm not convinced that he's been to his prime yet. And let's say I'm right. You can argue that, but let's just give me this one and say that I'm right. That's where it gets a little bit hard to identify going into the second contest with Pori what is different in six years. Very clear through Dustin, specifically his hands, Specifically, the experience that he has had, he knows when and how to push for the duration of a match. That takes time. That might sound easy. You go, chill, what are you talking about? I could go do that today. I'll go as hard as I possibly can until the whistle goes. I, I get that it's easy to say. 
but you will have athletes that are professionals, that are that are main eventers, that are that are main card guys, that are even title contenders and at times holders that still don't have that mastered. Dustin has got a very good handle on that in comparison uh, to six years ago, and I'll also share with you whether Dustin would admit it for you, to, uh, for you or not. He was scared that night. Whether that caused an actual fear or an anxiety, he was a little unsure of himself being in such a big fight in that spotlight. He was 24 years old at the time, 26 years old. He was a young guy, hadn't been in with anything like that skill-wise, but also opportunity-wise. He was a little bit hesitant, which slowed him down. Not only offensively did that slow him, it also slowed his defenses down. I felt like he was a little bit more of a target because of some of the apprehensiveness he had. This will not be the biggest fight of his life. I mean, he just fought Khabib in a, in a stadium they built for him and Khabib. At some weird time, the fight was at like 2 in the morning, and it was 111 degrees, world title was on the line. I only bring that to you because when I say this isn't the biggest fight that Dustin had, I'm speaking more to an anxiety ahead of time standpoint. He's been there and he's done that. And there's not a whole bunch of experiences that you can get in the octagon that help you. Fight experience is not a positive. You leave a little bit of yourself in there. You've only got so many bullets in the chamber, you don't know how many they are. You do not know how many times in this life do I get to be a tough guy at the right time and moment. Before that, before that clip is empty. It's one of those things. But I think for Dustin, he is still, he's not on the bleeding edge of it. I think he's still on the cutting edge. I can see him getting better in front of our eyes. I can see those wars that he had, whether it was with Alvarez or Gaethje that come to mind, where he's actually getting better. Whether Dan Hooker comes to mind, where he's actually out there getting better. That, that, that clip is still full. I'll just suggest for you, even though it's not as obvious and apparent with Connor, if you do just go back to his last fight, which is what we have to do, it's what we always do, why would we make it any different for Connor? If you go back to that last fight he had with Cowboy and all the numbers being against him, and to turn in a performance that was so shockingly, so shockingly well, well done, people were insulting Cowboy. They didn't even know how to witness the brilliance that was Connor that night. Instead of trying to explain it, they just decided to insult Cowboy. It's one of those things. Poirier's grossing gains are very clear. I'm suggesting for you, Connor has the same grossing gains. They're just a little bit harder to see. Guys, I had an interesting conversation earlier with my buddy Ryan. And here was the question that Ryan was asking. He said, why are... Big fights identified exclusively through pay-per-view sales. And I thought, gee, Ryan, that's a dumb question because it's quantifiable and factual and they don't lie. What, how else would you define what a big fight is? But it got us talking and I'm starting to see things more Ryan's way because Ryan's going, well, hold on a second. You're saying big fight, does that have to be money-driven why can it not be significance-based? And that is a totally different conversation. I mean, you'll have the Olympic Games, by example, where everything is on the line. You're representing your country. You got one crack. It comes along every four years. I mean, just the limitations that it has itself will add to the importance and the significance and that wouldn't even be on pay-per-view. For example, and then if you do juxtapose that, with say what we saw this weekend with Mike Tyson. Mike Tyson goes out and he brings in over a million buys, which is a monster, monster number. Now that is not going to go down as one of boxing's biggest fights ever. That will easily go down as boxing's biggest fight of the year. And don't forget, Tyson Fury fought Deontay Wilder this year. Mike Tyson's numbers crushed those numbers. Triple G versus Canelo's sequel was on zone and did a reported 400,000 buys. It was north or south of that, and I can't think off the top of my head. That's a good number. zone did a great night of business. Mike Tyson's return did over twice. So if you do listen to what Ryan's saying, which is, so you're telling me that Mike Tyson versus Roy Jones was the biggest fight of the year. I would go, well, no, of course not. It was just for fun. He goes, yeah, but Chael, you said that the biggest fight of the year is directly related to the pay-per-view number. Do you see the problem? Do you see where Ryan's right? 
where we might have to change the way we speak. I mean, we do talk about the biggest fight. And historically speaking, until we got into this entertainment era or even the oddness of what we're going through with the pandemic in 2020, historically speaking, some of the most significant fights were the biggest fights. They were hand in hand, but they're not anymore. And I think that's the point Ryan was trying to make. And I think he's right. If I was to look back at the biggest heavyweight fight of all time at a point in time, it was Spinks versus Tyson, which I believe was in uh, 1989. But they were both undefeated. Spinks had moved into the division as the lightweight champion of the world. Spinks was the Olympic gold medalist. Mike Tyson had not made the Olympic team but set the pros on fire. I mean, there was a lot of significance as to why they needed to compete. And as to who was going to be ranked where, most exclusively, who was going to be called champion because there could be only one. And you had this debate between these two. You saw that same debate come in between Evander Holyfield and Mike Tyson, by example. Or you saw the four horsemen, the true four horsemen. Leonard, Hearns, Hagler, Duran. It was those four guys, but which one? So they got to go out and get in this four-way round robin and try to figure this whole thing out. And they were all beating one another. I mean, it's just one of these deals where the significance does match up with the pay-per-view buys. But it's not true now. It's not. Particularly if you look at what Mike did. And we're going to go, yeah, Mike Tyson versus Roy Jones. Boy, that's one of the biggest fights of the decade. Ah, well, no. No, there was other things that drove it. It wasn't there. I mean, to Ryan's point, it wasn't the significance. It wasn't about titles. It wasn't about championships. It wasn't about lineage. But it was fun. It was interesting. Not usually why we would buy a fight. Not what moves the fight industry forward. Not not a plan that's sustainable. But it still happened. It's, It's very interesting in that regard. Look at Logan Paul. For example, there's not going to be a significance on a fight that he does or a fight that he's already had. They weren't for Olympic gold medals. There wasn't pride of of country. There wasn't sanctioning by the IBF or the IBA or the WBC or the WBO. I mean, for example, that put belts on the line. But there was something there. There there, there, There's a journey that Paul is on right now and he's brought the fans along. Here is my journey. I don't have to do this. I want to do this. I get to do this. I'm going to pursue it. I'm going to let you guys come watch it. Totally different story. Again, not sustainable. Not one that the industry as a whole could piggyback and copy and move forward. But we're in a different time. It's a different time and we want to be entertained. And there's nothing wrong with that. We're not wrong for that. There's a resentment within the industry right now for how well, say, Paul is doing or how well Tyson Jones did. There's a resentment where guys are coming out and saying, but look at all the things that I have done. Look at the sacrifice that I have done. Why am I not getting those numbers? I'm not saying it's fair, and I wouldn't even attempt to answer the question. You get the answer as well as I do, articulating it's a little bit hard. We understand everything you've done. We're not interested in you as of right now. Sorry. Rude. Cold-hearted. There's your answer. It's one of those deals. It's one of those deals where they don't totally go hand in hand. And I don't know of another time where they haven't gone hand in hand. Food for thought. But I want to ask you, I want to ask you the same question Ryan asked me. What is more important? The pay-per-view buys or the significance? And how do we bring those two together? You're listening to You're Welcome with Chael Sonnen. You own or rent your home? Sure you do. And I bet it can be hard work, but you want to know what's easy? Bundling policies with GEICO. GEICO makes it easy to bundle your homeowner's or renter's insurance along with your auto policy. It's a good thing, too, because you already have so much to do around the home. Go to GEICO.com, get a quote, and see how much you could save. It's GEICO easy. Visit GEICO.com today. That's GEICO.com. Now, back to your welcome with Chael Sonnen. George Masvidal is in one of the most unique spots in the history of fighting. And that is he has five meaningful fights right now. Five. That he could do 
any order, any direction, close your eyes, throw a dart at the wall, boom, you're going to like what comes out. He's got the fight with Colby. He's got the fight with Usman. He's got a fight with Connor. He's got Nick Diaz. He has Nate Diaz. There is no wrong way to do that. And what, the reason I say it's unique is you're going to have stars over time where they're called the A-side. Whoever they're fighting, it's going to be a big fight. I, I understand that. I understand that there was a time, Ronda Rousey, by example, bring in somebody that can fog a mirror. You're going to have a good night of business. That isn't what I'm referring to with Masvidal. It's different with him. He has five meaningful fights that have stories behind them. And you could go right in order. I mean, let's start with Usman. That fight already happened. That fight already worked. And Masvidal did it on like eight days' notice. He had to quarantine COVID test, get to a different country, make weight, get licensed, walk out there, do the fight. The story and the fact of him not having a training camp and what would happen if he did have said training camp works, period. It's not just because they're two great guys. Oh, yeah, of course, Masvidal's great and Usman's great. Let's get them together. Now, there's a story behind it. That's what I'm talking about. The fact that that did, you know, a reported 1.3 million buys, something along these lines, on that short notice. Imagine if you build that up and imagine if you told the story. And Masvidal himself, who did not win a round of that fight, but he was ultra competitive, considering that's Usman. Usman's supposed to just throw him down and keep him there for 25 minutes. Didn't do that. It was a totally different fight, and Masvidal was pushing and coming after him. Even though he had a big goose egg and how many rounds did you win, he came away from that fight and said, yeah, but I learned what I needed to learn. Let's do it again. That's compelling to me. You, you have the biggest star in the sport who wants to go into a fight with a guy who already beat him and who the odds makers say is going to beat him again. That would give him two losses. The biggest star in the sport is going to be batting 0-2 in his last two, and he's asking for that opportunity because he thinks he learned something. That's that's a compelling storyline. You look at the Colby fight. Former friends, teammates, roommates. Something happened. Now Colby's not even at the gym anymore. By the way, so this wasn't something happened for the media to have some fun with us. This is very real. Colby's now had to train with different people. That, that story just works. Then you have the Nick and the Nate Diaz. We know that Masvidal versus Nate works because it already did. It sold out Madison Square Garden. The fact that Nate thought he should have been given an opportunity to go out there for rounds four and five, which strategically is what he was planning to do, and he thought that game bread was fading. They stopped the fight due to a cut. I mean, it works. Then you have Nick Diaz coming in. Saying, man, yeah, he beat, he beat my little brother, but a whole other story when you're dealing with me. That works. That's a piece of cake. All he said is you beat my brother. Well, that's a very real thing that people could relate to all the way down to the playground. Yeah, Big Brother's going to come in. Maybe you got to whip them both, maybe you don't, but big you got to now you got to deal with Big Brother. Like that story is it's just not going to not work. And then I want to talk about the Connor because this had some major steam at one point that seems to have all gone away. But the whole reason that Connor ever came back against Cowboy and bumped up to 170 all had to do with Masvidal. All Connor's entire motivation for going to 170 and saying, "Here I am, what's up now?" had to do with Masvidal. Dana White was in California going to dinner when some guy with TMZ stuck a camera in his face and asked him if he would ever make the fight Masvidal versus Connor and Dana said, "No, I wouldn't make the fight. Masvidal's too big for him." Fade to black, roll the credits, Dana went inside and had his dinner. That comment infuriated Connor. Hey, what do you mean? What do you mean he's too big? That's your that's you saying that, that he can beat me. You think he can beat me? He can't beat me. Can't beat me, and he's not too big for me. Watch this. And then and Connor steps in. But that's a story, and that that was red hot for a while. That was red hot and proven by Connor, who went up to 170 and did it with success and didn't look small in the process. And then all of a sudden, we just quit talking about that. I don't know why. I don't know why anybody would let the Jets in the steam of a potential Connor versus Masvidal fight die down. It was a miss. It was missed by both of those guys. It was a miss by you, the fans. It was a miss by the media. We all want to see the fight. Why did we let that go? 
Yair Rodriguez is out. He's out for six months on a whereabouts violation. I just want to explain to you guys what that means. What is a whereabouts violation and how do you how do you get it? Okay. When you're in the USADA testing pool, it's 24-7, 365, meaning they can, they can come in any time they want. They could come in at 1 a.m. on a Sunday, which also happens to be Christmas. I mean, there, there's, there's no way around it so that nobody can go out and know, okay, I have X amount of time to break the rules or clear this from my system or try to game USADA. Fine. The way you do that logistically is very well organized, but must be stayed on top of. It's just done through a website. You go to the website, but you tell them where you will be 24 hours a day. And there's no wrong answer. You could change your mind. You could have that filled out for the week, by example. You get a phone call that you have to leave town, log back in, and change that. There could be a tester on the way to your house that you don't even know about that's flown in from somewhere else and he's driving to your house and if you enter and change that before he knocks on your door, USADA takes it on the chin. Guy turns around, they pay him for his time, he goes back home. I mean, To offer an example, USADA is very understanding. I feel that USADA never gets credit. USADA is always these jerks in the room. That's really not true. They've got a policy and they found ways to do their job effectively. I don't know that they've ever been jerks. And I think that the whereabouts is a great example because they'll give you three. So the whereabouts, if I haven't explained it, it's where are you? Whereabout are you? That's where whereabouts comes from. You need to let them know you can do that by logging in. Now, USADA is also going to understand humans are doing this and they're going to make mistakes. Imagine that exact scenario happened two years. Imagine he's already been online and he says, I'm, I'm going to be at the house. Be at the house on Friday night at 5 p.m. He gets the call. He's got to get to the airport. Everything's up in the air. He's racing to get there. He's, he's got to fill the dog bowl before he goes. Tell the wife goodbye. Pack a bag. Just imagine that happened and he doesn't have time to log in or doesn't think to log in or doesn't get it done and that guy knocks on his door. He's in violation. So Sada goes, no, 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 we get it. You're human beings. We're human beings. We're going to give you three. You can get it wrong. You can screw this up. You can say you're one place but be somewhere else. Come hook or crook for any reason. We're going to give you three. We're going to assume it was on accident. We're going to give you three. We're going to give you three and not ten because you'll find a way to game the system if we give you ten. We're going to give you three. If you get it wrong three times within one calendar year, it's an automatic fail. And they tell you this ahead of time. And in all fairness, okay, because I can can see it both sides. Like if your ear, if they came down on him because your ear missed one because he forgot to log in or his management team was doing it and it was human error not even related to him, but a mistake was made. And then they're going to take his license. That'd be a dick move. That's not what they did. They give you three. And by the way, it's within a calendar year. So let's say you're somebody like Daniel Cormier, who's been in USADA before they were even involved in MMA. Cormier has been with USADA since 2004. So he's going to have whereabouts violations, right? I mean, over the course of 16 years, but you get three within a calendar year. I'm bringing that to you just to smarten you on what this means in case we hear of it again. And you see this weird word of whereabouts and you're wondering what the violation is. That's what it is. So you could have one and a couple of years go by and you have another one. And a couple of years go by, you have another one. That's you're, you're okay. It's three within a calendar year. And then it does, it does beg for you. Well, how did this happen? How and why did this happen? Was a guy avoiding a tester? Because that's a real thing, too. That's a very real thing, where a guy knows that he's going to be tested and he doesn't answer the door. Knows he just took something, it's not out of the system, I'm not going to answer the door. I mean, okay. But when you have a guy like Yair, it's particularly tough because Yair's not on PEDS. No way, shape, or form. Nobody would make the mistake of falsely pointing at him. I mean, skinny guy, right? 145-pounder, right? I mean, he's, your ear's not cheating. So why didn't you fill it out? And by the way, whatever got screwed up, whether it was you not logging in or not understanding the rule or your management team failed to do it, how did it happen a second time? And whether it was you forgot to fill in or your team didn't do it or it slipped your mind 
How's it happen a third time, by the way, within a calendar year? And I'm not kicking Rodriguez here at all. I feel bad for Rodriguez. He's been punished. I'm not giving him a hard time. I'm sharing with you guys so you understand what you're reading about and with other fighters who are watching. Like, guys, this is a big deal. This whole whereabouts thing, this is a big deal. And Usada's very understanding, giving you three within a calendar year, but at some point they have to go, hey, we're not, we're not going to set this up so the guys can come in and game us. That's not what this is about. We want to, in sportsmanship, make sure that we show a consideration that people are very busy and that this is an added step and an understanding that human beings make mistakes or fail to log in or the internet goes down. I mean, right, there's a lot of reasons why you may not be where you said you were going to be and didn't have time to update it. At the same time, we've got to pick a number. We're going to pick the number of three. We're going to do it within a 12-month period. That's reasonable by USADA. It's not generous, it's not foolish, it's reasonable, and athletes need to do a better job. It's, it's a real thing. If you, if you think that this whole, hey, I wasn't where I said I was going to be, I mean, if you, if you look at your rear, and then I even think the six months, I mean, that, that's also somewhat reasonable because you do have a guy where any level of common sense is going to tell you that guy's not taking, at least not steroids. Not, they're not in that body. What do we do? We still got a rule. We still got a violation. It's also interesting to go, and I don't have this. It's the time that I'm coming to you guys. I don't have this piece of information. When did this happen? Because it will go back to the day that he missed. Right? It will go back to wherever, whatever that date was of the third violation. And the fact that Rodriguez has been removed from the sport for a period of time make, it makes me think, I'm guessing, I don't know, it makes me think and guess and assume that this might be from a while ago. Meaning, if we're just hearing about, he might already be three months in. The, getting a fight might be right around the corner. He might be just about to go into training camp. It's one of those things. At the same time, this could be last Friday, and I'm way off on that. It just seems as though Rodriguez has been gone from the sport for a period of time, and he's in high demand. And let's hope that mistake, not only to him, doesn't happen again. Let's hope nobody makes that mistake. Get online. Update it. Make it part of your daily routine. Don't beat yourself. And in many ways, a whereabouts violation is just that. A guy beat himself. All right, guys, that was fun. As a matter of fact, why don't we do it again next Wednesday? Until then, enjoy your weekends. I'm Chael Sonnen, and you are welcome. Thanks for listening to You're Welcome with Chael Sonnen. Download new episodes every week at podcastone.com. That's podcastone.com. Support for this podcast comes from Pluto TV. Guys, do you need an escape? Drop into Pluto TV for a world of free TV. Stream hundreds of channels and thousands of movies and shows all for free. Yes, free. No subscription. No fees. Imagine 24-7 channels. Of Narcos, CSI, Star Trek, Survivor, and everything else from hit movies to binge watch. You're going to binge shows. You're going to be up to speed on the latest news. You're going to catch live sports, comedy, and more. What are you waiting for? Download the free Pluto TV app for Android, iPhone, Roku, and Fire TV and start streaming now. Pluto TV. Drop in. Watch free. Hello everyone, this is Eagles Hall of Fame quarterback Ron Jaworski, and I am so excited to bring you the hottest new podcast for the NFL and gaming. Welcome to Jaws Picks, featuring me, Ron, Ron Jaworski, Jaworski, and some of the most famous names in sports, music, and entertainment, as I give you my expert analysis and predictions of each and every NFL game. <coughs> so far this season, my predictions are over 55% correct against, against the, the spread. spread. That's a pretty good number, folks and over 67% picking winners straight, straight up. up. You do not want to miss out on this podcast. Every week, I will tell you who, how, and why each NFL game will be decided. Take the guesswork and stress out of gaming and subscribe to Jaws Picks wherever you get your podcast. That's Jaws Picks wherever you get your podcast. Stay safe, take care, and let's make some beer money. Look out! Join me every week for the Michael Irvin Podcast. The Michael Irvin Podcast. The MIP. Now the MIP exists. The MIP. Okay, I got to make sure you got something to show. What? Where's Michael? 
He's holding out. What do you mean he's holding out? <laughs> hey, it's the playmaker. I ain't available right now. I said the playmaker is not available for you. I will give you my playmaker of the week. Take the spotlight sometimes off of all these quarterbacks and put the spotlight on some of those guys that make the quarterbacks. T-I-R-E, put it together. T-I-R-E-D. I get Best That's the love. my girl, but I love right there, What's that? Yeah, yeah. Download new episodes of the MIP, the Michael Irvin Podcast, every Thursday on Apple Podcasts, Podcast One, and Spotify. That's the Michael Irvin Podcast. I am the playmaker, Michael Irvin.